And welcome for another fine, great edition of Hoopsburg College Basketball Podcast. Uh, this is Eric Hall, along with uh, Times College Basketball writer Lauren Kirschman. And uh, this is the post-City Game episode of the podcast, and we'll be talking about that um, here shortly. But first, of course, uh, let's reset. Uh, you can uh, access us on iTunes, uh, on Stitcher Radio, on SoundCloud, at timesonline.com. Um, and am I missing anything? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so either. But you might be. I yes. Probably. Um, <laughs> we are everywhere, Lauren. Um, and if you would like to... Uh, have your company's name be everywhere. You can give a call here at the Times. That was a nice transition. That was I nice. Like that. Nice. 724-775-3200. And they'll direct you uh, uh, to the appropriate person. Um, so let's just dive into the city game. Um, we had thought, Lauren, that the game might be a little more competitive uh, considering Duquesne's 6-1 uh, and one start to the season. We were wrong. We were very wrong. <laughs> you were there. Um, what uh, what did Pitt do early to kind of knock Duquesne out of it? Um, shockingly enough, <laughs> it was actually their defense that played the biggest role. And I think it was just, it was a lot of what Pitt ran into against Purdue, I think, and that the size bothered them a little bit. Um, and James Robinson did a really good job defensively, and Sterling Smith did a good job defensively to knock their guards off um, their game. So what happened to Duquesne was what we said would prevent them from winning games, which was that they weren't hitting three-point shots, and that's because they really struggled to even get a shot off <laughs> in that game. Um, I think Micah Mason had like two three-point attempts in the first half. He just couldn't get a shot off. So, so what did you they weren't making them? It was... They weren't even attempting them. They weren't even attempting them. I mean, they weren't really going in either when they got them off, but they weren't getting that many shots off um, to begin with. So Pitt did a good job defensively shutting them down, which was surprising considering the way their defense has looked early in the year. So, And our story today, uh, today being Thursday, uh, at timesonline.com and in the print editions, uh, talks about uh, that defense, that perimeter defense that Pitt has. And with Eastern Washington coming in, on Friday night, and they're one of the uh, best field goal percentage teams in the country, although they certainly didn't show it early against Davidson last night, but they did rebound in the second half. Um, so that will work well for them. Um, but as, as you said, the Pitt, Pitt's main problem against Purdue was uh, dealing with the size, and that's something they didn't have to worry about against Duquesne. It's something they won't probably worry about against Eastern Washington or maybe even Moorhead State coming up on Sunday. However, <laughs> when the ACC schedule starts, what do they do? Because there will be nights rather frequently where they're going to have to deal with players who are 6'10", 6'11", or taller. Yeah, I think that's going to be the biggest struggle for them once ACC play starts. I mean, that was something that Jamie Dixon tried to fix <clears throat> this offseason by bringing in the graduate transfers that he did and the transfers that he did, but... We've seen how those guys have played against tougher competition. We saw how they looked against Purdue, and it just wasn't good enough. Um, so when ACC play comes around, it'll be interesting to see how they stack up against those players. I mean, 
Um, they started Maya um, against Duquesne, and he started the last game as well. But he only had two rebounds against Duquesne. Um, and Jamie Dixon started him because he was rebounding well in practice. said he had 17 rebounds in practice. Didn't carry over into the game where he had two. So if I don't know looking, how you count those, by the way, in practice. I, mean, I think he said he keeps track of them all. But in his head, I'm sure. Probably. Um, so, I mean, if he can't translate those, re- those rebounds from practices into games, that's going to be a struggle for them. And again, they don't have any size for him to go up with against in practice anyway. That's true. So, <laughs> it, it, just the same problem. Now, now Pitt has always, um, I shouldn't say always, but often had the undersized uh, centers. Uh, Ontario Lett comes to mind. I'm going back a little few years. Dewan Blair was only 6'8", although he played much taller. He did. Um, and it seems like they've always uh, managed to succeed without having. Uh, obviously, they had Aaron Gray for a long time and, and players like that, but um, they succeeded without having seven footers every year. And it seems like the last couple years they haven't been able to find someone in that Ontario let type mold who could go and play good defense, get eight to nine rebounds, and. Yeah, I mean, especially with the rebounding, they don't seem to have kind of that scrappy kind of rebounding guy that's kind of really focused on getting rebounds for them. Mike Young's a good rebounder, um, but he doesn't do it consistently. Um, the guy that's actually been a good rebounder for them, surprisingly, has been Sterling Smith. Um, I think he's third on the teams in rebounds right now. Um, so he's getting in there and, and getting some rebounds for them from the shooting guard position, but that's not something that you can rely on day in and day out on reba- to kind of stack up with ACC teams as a rebounding basis. So they're going to need Mike Young to kind of step up and do it more consistently, Jamal Artis. And hopefully one of those centers will come through for them and start rebounding well. At least J.B. Dixon hopes so. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, the way they looked against Purdue on the boards, uh, don't, you look it doesn't at look like promising. North, yeah, you yeah. look at teams like North Carolina and – big teams like that who rebound well and you're just you wonder what Pitt's going to do in the ACC inside so uh, now I know that uh, you know against Purdue their game plan was to stretch out that defense inside um, but again they didn't hit their shots from the outside uh, so if they're going to win it's paramount that they hit their outside shots and not convinced that they can do that on a night in night out basis I mean they ha- they are definitely shooting better th- this year than they did last year but um much like Duquesne can't rely on that to win games, Pitt can't rely on that to win games either. They're going to have to find something defensively and be able to rebound if they're going to get to the ECC and get to the, back to the tournament like they want to. Um, that said, I think they can win games with their shooting. They're not going to win all of them if they don't rebound and play defense. Um, but I think there will be some games where they're shooting well and they'll be able to pull off an upset or two just because – of how they've been shooting with James Robinson, um, seemingly more willing to create his own shot and take his own shot and take control of the offense than he did last year. Last year he was so focused on passing, he never took a shot. Um, But he's been knocking down threes, and Sterling Smith is somebody who really brings that to them that they didn't have last year. Um, Their three-point shooting numbers last year were atrocious. (laughs) They didn't have a three-point shooter on that team, and that's something that Smith brings to them this year. And, and I wonder if that, uh, it seems maybe to run conversely to the to uh, the theory here, but the fact that they have a Sterling Smith and he's able to hit the three-pointer with, on a consistent basis, 
and maybe also with Cameron Johnson, with Sheldon Jeter, who can hit them uh, to some degree, maybe eases James Robinson into taking them as well rather than always thinking he has to pass because <clears throat> if he's uh, skittish, knowing that he's the only guy who can hit three-pointers last year, he doesn't want to miss and take that opportunity away, so he's more willing to dish it. Now with more uh, in the arsenal, so to speak, uh, you know, there's a he's a little more comfortable. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems that way. It seems like he, he's feeling a lot more comfortable out there. It seems like he doesn't have as much pressure on him to always be creating the offense or he has other guys around him that can do things, so that allows him to kind of relax and do – what he does well, and I think he's playing right now better than he has in his entire career, just the way that he looks out there. And he is still getting those assists that is what Jamie Dixon always liked about him. But now he's also willing to step up and take the shots, which is going to help him a lot offensively. Well, he always had a lot of potential. I think he was a uh, was a very high recruit. Um, and I think now he's finally showing that potential maybe with a little more of a complete team around him. And, and we mentioned Sterling Smith and and – you know, Jamie went out and got a lot of graduate transfers because, frankly, he had no other choice <laughs> to fill out the roster uh, with some defections and some recruits that didn't come through. Uh, but he seems like to be the only one working out. Yeah, I would say that he is. Um, he's definitely come in and been able to make an impact, which is more than can be said for any of the other graduate transfers that they brought in. Um, he's somebody that's starting, um, that's been able to come in and play good defense, which none of the other guys have really been able to do. Um, so for him to make that transition from Coffin State to playing for Pitt, um, be able to play defense well enough that Jamie Dixon likes his defense um, is impressive. But I think the most important thing that he brings to them, which is something I mentioned before, is that three-point shooting threat um, on the perimeter. It gives them a shooting guard. They haven't had a shooting guard like that for a while who can shoot like that since Gibbs. Um, and they played him at point. Yeah. Because they had to. He shouldn't have been a point, no, which was a no. really big problem for those teams. Um, so, yeah, he's definitely a true shooting guard, a guy that they just find. And he doesn't take a lot of threes. Um, he picks his spots, but he's knocking them down at, like, a 65% rate. So when he's taking them, he's hitting them. And I think that's going to be something that as he gets more comfortable, as he settles in, he's going to take more threes. And I think he, he'll come through and win them a few games in the ACC. Now, I know we've discussed this uh in verse, uh, chapter and verse for the last few weeks, but uh, the man versus zone defense debate. And, and I think maybe from my standpoint and, and from what we've discussed, it boils down to if they're playing a team that they match up with size-wise, uh, a smaller team, that the, the man defense might actually work for a change. But if they're playing a taller, more physical underneath team, they're going to have to switch to the zone. Uh, is that something you've noticed? Is that something you see will happen? I mean, it's, it's hard yeah. to forecast with It with is Dixon, hard to but. forecast with Jay Dixon, will do. Um, but from what I've seen so far, that seems to be the case. Um, against Duquesne, their man-to-man defense worked out fine, like I said, um, because they had the size advantage. Um, and they were more athletic than Duquesne. Um, so they were able to do that. But when you go up against teams like Purdue, they're bigger. Um, 
they had to go to zone defense. They didn't have a choice. Um, Purdue was killing them when they were in man-to-man. So, I mean, I think it's going to have to be something that Jamie Dixon's going to have to play with and kind of figure it out. I mean, there have been teams that they played that were smaller than them that they had to go to zone. It's just, I just don't think they're a good enough defensive team to be, we're going to play man all the time. Um, they're just going to have to adjust to it, which I don't think is something Jamie Dixon likes too much. But No, no, I don't think so. I, don't think, so. <laughs> I think that's what they're going to have to do. On the other side of the court, Duquesne, um, again, they impressed with their start. Um, and then kind of crashed back to earth a little bit, I think, uh, playing because they hadn't played a team before that, as talented as Pitt. Um, so we're looking at a forecast here for Duquesne. They beat Maryland Eastern Shore, I believe, a couple yeah. nights ago. Um, and the A-10 schedule beckons. Again, now that you've seen them again, um, can they compete in the A-10? I think that they can. Um, I think that they just ran into something that they weren't prepared for against Pitt. Um, I, just, I just think Pitt was the better team than them. Um, but I think that they'll be able to compete in the A-10. Uh, they definitely have that good group of guards um, that I think will be able to win them a lot of games just from a pure shooting standpoint. They're not going to run into many games where they shoot as poorly as they did against Pitt. And even in the second half, they started to come around a little bit mm. and were knocking down shots. So. They, they just dig, dug themselves to the Yeah, they, there was no coming back from what happened to them in the first half. But um, So I think that those guards that they have are going to be able to win them some games in the A-10. I don't expect them to get blown out the way they did against Pitt very often. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely be keeping an eye on them to see what they do um, in the A-10. I think that they could finish a lot higher than they have in recent years and maybe – have an outside chance at sneaking in the NCAA. I would say the NIT right now would be my prediction for them. Um, Dayton, speaking of A-10, uh, won last night, came back from big deficit, won at Vanderbilt. Uh, so that's a great win for Blackhawk native, Blackhawk graduate, Archie Miller. Um, and I would think the Flyers would be the class of the A-10 again this year. Um, and I'm going to throw you a curveball here. If <laughs> if Dayton makes their third straight tournament and maybe even wins a game or two, which is certainly not out of the realm of possibility, um, does Archie get a look-see from a bigger program? Uh, I think definitely. I, I mean, think I, I know he has already. Yeah, I was going to say, I think he already but he's, has. But he's just kind of pushing him back. I don't think he's in a rush to go anywhere. Um, I think he really likes it there. But I think he's just waiting for the right job. Mm -hmm. um, I think if a job opened up that was a really good job that won him, he would definitely be interested. NC State? NC State, yeah. Definite possibility for so him. He graduated yeah. of NC State. Um, but I think with the jobs that have been interested in him, him so far, he just hasn't, and nothing's piqued his interest. I think it's a lot like Andy Tolt, Robert Morris, just waiting for the right job to come around. He likes where he's at, so he's not in a hurry. Um, but I definitely think if NC State opens up, that could be something that could pull Archie Miller away. A little different, because Archie's on the national scene, obviously, yeah. with an Elite Eight appearance. Um, you know, people, I, I think more than just people who f are around college basketball know who Archie Miller is. Uh, because of what he what he did with Dayton a couple of years ago, um, but you went out there and did a big feature for us, uh, and, and you 
which you can find at timesonline.com. Just <laughs> search the archives, a little plug there, uh, get that in there. Um, but you know how basketball mad that, that Ari is and, and how he just fits so well into it. But that being said, he's not in a Power 5 conference. And he's shown, I think, from his work that he certainly could be in a Power 5 conference. Um, and I, I would think that at some point he's going to make that jump. Yeah, I think so, absolutely. I think you could probably expect to see it within the next few years. Um, that said, I, I mean, he he does really like it a lot there. He's basketball crazy. That area is basketball crazy. Um, that's what I kind of wrote about with that story is that they were kind of a perfect match. Um, so I think that it's going to take a really good job to pull him, but I think that job will probably come up in the next few years and he'll head out. Now, maybe Andy Toll should have uh, head out, headed out after last season. <laughs> nice transition. Hey, you like that. <laughs> no. Um, uh, I will say it's been a tough fall in uh, Moon Township for the Colonials. Uh, at last check, they are one and... Six. Seven. Eight. Eight. Kind of lost count. <laughs> uh, well, and, and that's it. After losses to uh, Youngstown State, uh, which... Even though on the road, uh, frankly, I, I think that's a team that yeah. they need to beat. Um, and they lost also to Oakland at home. Which isn't a bad loss. But. No, and they really they haven't had that many. Even, and I think we were saying this last week, Tennessee Tech. Tennessee Tech is 7-2 is and two or, or yeah. you know, they just beat East Tennessee State, uh, which, again, a, a mid-major, you know, a team that made the tournament a couple years ago. Um, they don't have a bad loss other than maybe Youngstown State, I think, who was still hovering around the 500 mark, by the way. Um, but it's starting to get old, I think, for the Colonials at this point. Yeah, I would imagine. It's tough to start a season going through that many games with one win. Um, I still I still think they're going to be okay once they get into NEC play. Although, I they, think They can't Andy wait Tool for the NEC to start at this point, I think. Would probably be... Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think Andy Tool would probably be kind of concerned that that's what his players are banking on, that they're going to be fine once the NEC play starts, and it might not happen. Um, I think one of the biggest issues for this team early on... Well, I guess it's not that early on here anymore, not but... at this point, yeah. Um, is that they're still looking for some kind of leadership, um, and they just don't have it. I mean, last year they had Lucky Jones, who was... A really good leader for this team, um, even when he was maybe saying things he shouldn't say. Um, they have a great scorer and a great player in Rodney Pryor. But he's not the type to, to be he's that leader. Not a leadership type of guy. He's not a loud guy. He's not a. He's just a quietly go about my business, score twenty five and twelve rebounds, and or thirty five. Like yeah, or thirty five. Yeah. He's a great player, fantastic player. Um, so I think what. It's going to need to happen for this team to really click is for those the two freshmen that they're relying on a lot, which is Maddie McConnell and Isaiah Still, mm-hmm. to come into their own here. And I could see Maddie McConnell even as a freshman because of his family, because he grew up on this board, just because of the kind of player he is, the kind Coach's of player son. his brother was. He's yep. going to be a guy that's going to step in or is going to have to step in and, and kind of fill that void for them. Well, knowing um, Andy and, and what he's told me before um, – and before him, Mike Rice, um, obviously Andy, a longtime assistant of Mike, so they, they uh, certainly, I don't want to say share a brain, but they certainly share philosophies uh, to some degree. And they've always said that um, the best player has to be the leader 
because the other players see, you know, feed off of that, feed off of what that player can bring. And when your leader isn't the guy that's scoring 35 points, when your leader is Matty McConnell, who's a freshman scoring seven points, it's a little more difficult to get everybody to buy in. So either one thing is going to have to happen is Matty McConnell is going to have to start scoring 20 points a game or Rodney Pryor is going to have to become that leader. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see Rodney kind of growing into it. I mean, people have to remember that he, I mean, this is only his second year playing. It's not like he's a senior who right. has been around this program for four years. Um, so I think there's time for him still to settle into that leadership role. And there's also time for Matty McConnell to start scoring 20 points a game, which sure. isn't outside the realm of no. possibility at all. No. So I, I feel like this team is still kind of growing up here, but they're going to have to figure it out soon. <laughs> they're running out of time. Um, if they can maybe pick up a win or two here in the final games of the non-conference season, I think that would go a long way to pushing them into NEC play. Uh, one thing um, that we noticed uh, or that, that we'd like to talk about here is the depth or lack thereof that Robert Morris had. Elijah Minnie, Lincoln Park graduate, of course, have to say that. <laughs> um, he missed Saturday's game uh, with an illness, yeah. uh, as far as we know. And that severely uh, hindered Robert Morris's you know, lineup. They only played six players. Yeah. I mean, of any, you know, significant minutes. That you're not going to win a lot of games with on six players. If someone gets hurt or someone can't play, you know, we could be overlooking this depth as an issue. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's an issue, especially with a guy that they plan to rely on a lot, Aaron Tate kind of floating out there, and we don't know when he's going to be back. Um, he's battling injuries, been battling injuries all year. Um, so that's a guy that they intended to rely on a lot, especially with rebounding, especially inside, and add, add to their depth, and he's not there, and they don't know if he's going to be there. Um, so, yeah, like you said, if Elijah Minnie's sick, if somebody gets hurt, they're playing six, seven guys, significant minutes. Some guys are in there for a few minutes, not really doing a lot. There's just a lot on the guys that are playing, and right now they're just not coming through, so. Now, I know a few years ago, because of injuries and other defections, that they only played, I think they only had eight players yeah. on scholarship dress. But all eight played. Yeah. Um, so some of the guys maybe that are on the end of the bench are going to have to develop quickly for them um, if they continue to have a rotation. If not, I, I just don't see them continuing with six players and, and having much success. No, I mean, they're playing some other guys are just not – playing significant minutes. So I feel like unless those guys start to come through enough that Andy can have them in there for longer amounts of time, that that's going to be trouble once they get a few months here in the season, season starts to wear guys down, and you just don't have enough players to kind of juggle it. So, But this is the time where he should have these guys in there to see what he has to, to get them that experience. I think he might know what he has. Um, <laughs> that that might also be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so he just needs to get healthy. Yeah. I think that, uh, getting Aaron Tate back, I think it's really big for them. And I just, I, right now, I don't know if it's going to happen. He's just such a, he makes <clears> such an impact for them inside. He's not a tall player, but he's a strong guy. He's, grabbing rebounds or he's getting people out of the way so that other guys can grab rebounds and they're just really missing that kind of presence inside. 
All right, so we've talked about Pitt, Duquesne, Robert Morris, even Dayton. Dayton. We got Dayton in. <laughs> Did we miss anything? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. Who's our Who's on our tournament watch this week, though? Our tournament watch? Yeah, aren't we tournament watching every week? All right, well, I guess Pitt's still on our tournament watch. I'm still sticking with my answer. <laughs> well, I thought we were doing one a week. Oh, we're doing a different team? Okay. So. All right, let's do Duquesne. Well, you did Duquesne already. You said Duquesne. So we'll just, that's it. No, no, no. You just ruined it. You did it earlier. No, no. Try try to have, try to make a nice show. and this will... <laughs> He gives me no plan. <laughs> this is like everything else, isn't it? We did player of the week for like one week. We haven't done that since. I'm so. trying to come up with something. I'm okay. willing to listen to ideas here. Okay. Let's have let's have a caller. Let's go to the phones. Yeah, let's go to the phones. Let's, isn't that what they do in radio when they have nothing to talk about? Yeah. Yeah. They, okay. Oh wait, we don't have any phones. Darn it. Maybe we can get a guest in here. All right. How about in? Think they come up up to the times here and, and talk to us? We can try. We can do it on. We can do it on location. We can do it at a restaurant. Get free food. <laughs> now you're you're. It's a stretch there. I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, but <laughs> until that happens, we'll be right back here uh, in the Times offices talking about this next week, hopefully with a guest, though. Uh, we've been efforting, as they say in the industry. Um, so hopefully we'll, uh, we'll get a guest. Although next week, um, yeah, next week is good. The week after that is Christmas week. Um, we're planning on a show um, a day early. And then so we'll probably get that out on Wednesday the 23rd uh, the next week will be regular even though it's New Year's I think we can do it regular um, oh yes yes we can do that we can do that I, I'm trying to think your vacation days in my head and you don't have any so it doesn't matter <laughs> my vacation days my, those are the ones that really matter those are the ones that matter yes so but uh, well once again let's uh, Hi, a little bow on Hoopsburg here. Yeah. The College Basketball Podcast. Uh, thanks for listening and uh, tuning in. You can do this again next week. Um, if you find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, at timesonline.com. Remember, you can also listen to our other shows, our other sports shows, Game On with Mike Byers, the Steelers Podcast, uh, previewing um, each game every week with Chris Bradford and Chris Lancaster. And, of course, the Penguins podcast with Brian Metzer. There you go. Featuring Brian Metzer. <laughs> did we mention it has Brian Metzer? Uh, I think we did. I think okay. we did. I, I hope sure. Brian listens to this. <laughs> just so he knows. Just so he knows that we're really excited to have Brian on board doing the podcast with us. So, maybe we should have Brian Metzer on as a guest. To talk college basketball? Sure, why not? Okay, sure. He knows College basketball everything. podcast with Brian Metzer. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'll tell you what. Actually, if we were doing a podcast on, like, heavy metal music... Brian Metzer would be perfect. Well, I mean... Big fan. Hopefully someday. I would not be the person to host that show. <laughs> but just just saying just saying that he would be he would be perfect out there for that. So, but... Um, well, let's do this again next week, Lauren. Yeah. Unless you have vacation I don't know about. I might. You okay. never know. I might just not show up. Yeah, okay. I, I would figure. Well, I hope everybody else, else shows up. I might be flying solo. 
Uh, but don't let that deter you from tuning into Hoopsburg College Basketball Podcast.